Take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. In honor of God's Word, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word if you were able to? There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave claims, who gave alms generously to the people, and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and the devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drove near the, drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open, an object like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it, were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up in the heaven again. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, move mightily in our midst, upon our hearts and lives, and give us your message that you would have us to take into our lives, apply it, that we may live it in obedience and faithfulness to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Follow along with me. Pick up at verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. 
for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. It is interesting when we read God's word to see the actions of the people that God confronts in many different ways. I want to share with you today two men, two visions, one message. Two men, Cornelius and Peter. Two visions. Each had a vision from God. But there was only one message. For you and me, there is that one message. That one message that we need to take with us and apply to our lives in our day and time. Romans 3.23 says, Not one person has God's approval. And because all have sinned, they have fallen short of God's glory. Well, why do we need to be forgiven? Why, do, why, why is forgiveness so prevalent in God's Word? Why is it the gospel that we hear so much about forgiveness? Why do we need forgiveness? Romans 6, 23, the payment for sin is death. But the gift that God freely gives is everlasting life found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Judgment. Is coming. Hebrews says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. So there is a need for forgiveness. Forgiveness of what? As Romans plainly says, there's not one person that has God's approval. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. We've missed the mark. We've fallen short. We've come up short. If yesterday, just imagine with me, as a, as a good illustration, just imagine with me if yesterday we had set an, a, a goal of what was to be raised to be able to divide between Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, and uh, the building and ground. Suppose we had set a goal, but we came up with what we came up with. Suppose, let's just say, uh, let's pretend, you know when we were kids, we, let's, let's, pretend, let's pretend we are, we are cowboys and Indians. I'm going to be John Wayne. You be Tonto the Indian. Of course, Tonto was a good Indian, and, uh, but, but we want you to be a bad Indian. Bad Tonto. Yeah, pretend that we set a goal of $10,000 yesterday to be divided those three ways. If we 
come up with that $6,000, $6,100, we would have come up what? Short, right? We would have missed the mark, missed the goal. Uh, it was, we still did good, but we missed the mark. We came up short. And that's the same way it is with Jesus Christ. That's the same way it is with sin. No one is good enough. Not one of us. All of us have sinned. We're all sinners by nature and by choice. And the wages of sin is death. So there is a need for us to have forgiveness. There is need for us to be forgiven. Cleansed of that sin, that which separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Sin causes us to miss the mark of God's glory. But God has a remedy. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the Word of God. God has a remedy. God has forgiveness. These two men represent a picture for us of the need of that forgiveness. Two men, two visions, but one message. One of those two men was Cornelius, a Gentile. Cornelius lived in Caesarea, a port city, located on the coast 30 miles north of Joppa, the capital of the Roman province of Judea. It's where Jonah left. A Roman garrison was stationed there. A Roman legion consisted of 6,000 men, divided into 10 cohorts of 600 men each. A centurion commanded 100 of those men. Each legion had 60 centurions who were the backbone of the Roman army. Enter Cornelius, a centurion. Centurions would have held their ground and died standing in the battle right there where they were, standing to protect the nation. They were dependable. Cornelius himself had proven himself to be a strong individual, faithful person. In fact, the Bible says here that he was a god fearer, a God-fearer, one who was religious, one who, who believed in God. He was inspired to leave his pagan following and religion and follow the Lord Jesus, or at least follow God, Jehovah God. This commitment led him to give generously of his possessions, of his money, and to do good deeds. There is nothing, however, that says he believed in Jesus Christ. But God was at work in his heart and life. 
he was a God-fearer, he was also a good man. He prayed and he gave to the Lord. Verse 2 of chapter 10 says, A devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms, charitable gifts, generously, and he prayed to God always. A good man, good works, good deeds. But the Bible indicates that there is no forgiveness for our good deeds. No salvation for our charitable giving. Well, couldn't God make an exception in his case? That's not the way God works. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So there's got to be the gospel. There's got to be a sharing of the gospel. There's got to be a spreading of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. God's word must go out. That's part of what Brother Kelton was talking about, getting out into our community. Getting out of the four walls. Going out into the highways and the byways and compelling people to come in to the Lord Jesus. Cornelius, a Gentile, was a God-fearer. He was a good man. On the other hand, Peter was a Jew. Peter was a servant of the Lord God. He was a servant of the Most High God. Peter was an apostle. Peter was also dwelling in a, staying in a a tanner's home. He was dwelling there for a period of time. God was at work in his own heart and life. You know, God's never through with us until we leave this world and are with him in glory. God's still working on me. You know, go back to that old song our boys used to to sing it when they were little. He's still working on me. To be what I ought to be. He's still working on me. Because I'm still not what I ought to be in total. Peter was a Jew staying in Joppa. A tanner was one who dealt with dead animals, hides. And Jews hated Gentiles, but let me tell you what Jews hated more than Gentiles, or just as much at least, they didn't want to have anything to do with defiling themselves with death, and particularly dead animals. But Peter was staying at the home of a tanner. Isn't that interesting? God was already at work in his life. Jews didn't have anything to do with them. 
Jews didn't have anything to do with Gentiles, Cornelius. Yet the vision that Cornelius had was of a Jew coming to his home, a Gentile, to tell him what God wanted him to do. The ninth hour that Cornelius had the vision. In verses 3 through 6, we have that vision again. Follow with me. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Now, Cornelius was a good man. Cornelius feared God. Cornelius did many good works. What he had done was a memorial to God, but God wanted more from Cornelius. And so God gave him a vision to send for Peter. Send men to Joppa. Send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to Cornelius departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and sent them out to go get Peter. The vision from God. The ninth hour was the hour of prayer. It's described in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It's about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Cornelius had the vision. Naturally, he was afraid. Naturally, he was bound by fear. The angel of the Lord assured him that his prayers and good deeds had come as a memorial to God, and, God, and the angel told him to send to Joppa, and send for Simon Peter. God's human instruments. You know God still uses men and women today? God still calls men and women today into His service, and He calls them to do mission work. He calls them to preach. He calls them to teach. He calls them to lead. He calls them to do many things that He wants them to do for His glory. God is still at work in the United States of America. Not only that, God's still at work all around the world. Even in the deepest, darkest places of the world, God is at work. We may not hear about it, we may not see it, but God is there. In fact, God's right around the corner from where we can see Him at work in our lives and in our world today. He's at work. He's at work. And that's what He's calling us to come on board and be on mission with him. He uses human instruments still today. And God was preparing Cornelius for a greater work and a greater task 
than what he was doing as a centurion. It's interesting. Cornelius had a vision about the same time Peter had a vision. Peter had a vision about the same time Cornelius had a vision. Two different men, one a, Jew, a Greek and, and one a Gentile, one a Gentile rather, and one a Jew. And, and God was speaking to both of them. Peter's vision is verse, verses 10 through 16. Uh, then Peter, when he went up on the housetop, verse 9, uh, verse 9, to pray about the sixth hour, he became very hungry, wanted to eat. But while he, they made ready in the house for food, for a mealtime, Peter fell into a trance, verse 10, and then he saw heaven open, an object like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him, let down from heaven to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, and the voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. No, 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 Lord, no, no. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common or unclean. There's another passage of Scripture that says, What God has cleansed, call not unclean. The same word, same, same passage. I was dealing with a couple several years ago, and a young man had come to faith in Jesus Christ. His wife had been through many different religions and beliefs and followed them very, very keenly up to a point and then left it. Evidently didn't satisfy so she comes in at the same time as he is baptized, following the Lordship of Christ, following him in believer's baptism. And she comes in at the same time. And for some reason, she's sharing of, of what great faith the, the Lord has done and great things the Lord has done in their lives, and particularly that her husband has become a believer. And this person that she's sharing with is all hung up on the Old Testament and food rights. What's right to eat and what's not right to eat as a believer. Well, you can't eat that because, you know, that's a four-footed animal. It's a fork-footed animal. And, and I, I said, you, you, you do know that the New Testament is, is relative for you today and speaks to us just as much today as the Old Testament still speaks to us, but, but the New Testament is, is relative too. And the Bible says that, that God has cleansed, and what God has cleansed don't call unclean, that we can't eat it. And Peter says... Uh, if you can bless the Lord, thank the Lord for it, eat it. Rejoice in it. Someone sets it before you. I mean, just like that pecan pie yesterday. Now, I saw Dallas had a 
beautiful piece of pecan pie. And he was unwrapping it, and, you know, I wanted to say to him, you're not going to eat that, are you? I need to test that out for you. Check it first. <laughs> but he went ahead and ate it. Listen, if God can, if, if you can bless God for it, eat it. My oldest son said that uh, several years ago he, he checked out these uh, chocolate-covered uh, grasshoppers. And uh, my wife said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no, not me, not me. He said, well, actually, they were pretty good. I said, well, I hope you got enough of them because you won't get any around here. Chocolate covered. I'm not into chocolate covered grasshoppers, roaches, or any other kind of protein like that. That's, that, uh, that, that, that is just a little bit before lunchtime, isn't it? But be that as it may, that's, if you can thank God for it, eat it. And uh, bless the Lord for it. Peter's vision. And what he was experiencing was, was the abolishing, in reality, of the Old Testament dietary restrictions. Peter didn't understand what was happening at that particular time, but he did come to understand it at a later point. Peter would have never entered the home of a Gentile. But he did with Cornelius. In Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and try to understand. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can make him unclean. It's what comes out of the person that makes him unclean. Let the person who has ears listen. When he had left the people and gone home, his disciples asked him about this illustration. Jesus said, don't you understand? Don't you know that whatever goes into a person from the outside can't make him unclean? It doesn't go into his thoughts, but into his stomach, and then into a toilet. By saying this, Jesus declared all foods acceptable. He continued, it's what comes out of the person out of the person that makes him unclean. Evil thoughts, sexual sins, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, cheating, shameless lust, envy, cursing, arrogance, foolishness come from within the person. All of these evil come from within and makes the person unclean. What is it within the person that it comes out of? It's his heart. It's the heart, the heart of man that is unclean. And the heart, everything, his mind, his thought, his verbiage comes from the heart. This pictured the open door for the Gentiles and the Jews into the body of Christ. God has orchestrated everything in His timing to bring about 
these two men to share the one message. And that one message is found in verses 34 through 48. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works the righteousness, works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witnesses that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin, forgiveness. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. The message, two men, two visions, come from different parts of the world. A Gentile, a Jew. Two visions seeing the vision from God, both visions from God. One message, however, and that message was wrapped up in verse 43. To him, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, through Jesus Christ, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Peter had lived his life considering Gentiles unclean. But the Lord had to change his mind. The Lord had to change his heart. That's what God is all about in you and me in the gospel. It's changing our mind and changing our heart. It's a combination. That's what repentance is all about. It's turning us around, turning us away. And he gave one name, one name, and that is Jesus Christ alone. No one else can save us, Acts 4.12. No other name is given to us under heaven whereby we must believe except that name of Jesus Christ. Him alone. 
We must trust in him. We must believe in him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Cornelius could not be saved by his good deeds, his generous giving. It had to be through grace, through his faith alone in Christ alone. He had to believe, he had to trust. The gospel is a whosoever will gospel. There's no prejudice with God. The ground is level at the cross. But we must come to Jesus Christ by the cross where the ground is level for everyone. And then baptism. Boy, they knew where some some water was. They knew where where some water was to take these believers, these new believers down into that water, baptize them, and then come up out of the water. Through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And they will receive remission of sin. Friend, I still remember I still remember that night, that night in that youth revival when I was sitting about midway in that pew and the invitation gave, I could not wait to get down here. I'd been in the church. I'd been attending church. I had grown up around the church and in the church. I'd heard the deacons, I'd been in Sunday school, I'd been in discipleship training, but I was not a Christian. I was not saved. I didn't know Jesus Christ in the personal relationship with Him until that night when I got up and I walked that aisle. Not because I walked that aisle, but because I believed with my head and with my heart and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I believed. And from that day... To this day, I've never lost that excitement of what that was all about because it changed me. Not from outside in, but from inside out. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. One message, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. And I receive remission of sin. The whole weight of the world of my life was lifted off of me that night. And ever since that night, I have a faith and a trust that Jesus Christ, that no matter what I did before then, and no matter what I've done since then, Christ Jesus has covered it, has washed it away to remember it no more. No more. As far as the east is from the west, and as far as I know, the east never meets the west. 
and still hasn't today. And still doesn't. Baptism is the outward symbol of that which has taken place inwardly. That transformation of Jesus Christ. Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever had that experience with Jesus? If you have, let me ask you one other question with that. If you've lost that excitement of that particular time, what has happened to what happened to you? If you've lost that excitement, that enthusiasm about what Christ did in your life from the inside out, what has happened to you? Have you let the world dim your vision of God? Have you let the world crowd out that grace, that love of God, that faith of Christ in your life to where it's just dull? You're just living. You're existing. You're not really living for Him. Old friend, You've missed it, if you have. You've missed it. But he can give it to you again. That's the good news. He can give it to you again. Repent and renew your relationship with Jesus. If you've never trusted him the first time, come today. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. And he'll save you. He'll forgive you. And he will bless you and use you for his glory. Trust him today. Pray with me. Father, we bless you. Oh, we thank you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. What a blessing you are. And what you want to do in our lives as we surrender our life to you. And then, Lord, as we get up from here and go out into our world, our highways and byways, and share your love with our world, your forgiveness with our world. Lord God, only you, only you can do it through us, and with us. Fall fresh upon us, Holy Spirit of God, in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.